you are beautiful, you are so strong, you're amazing. Like Every day of life is a blank sheet of paper. More happy days in our lives. Small, small changes. You had to just be with life. To really practice mindfulness. I am not my thought. It's not easy, but it's very simple. If you put those two things together, you know, the sky is the limit. We have a very interesting guest today, Victor Breer. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I am more than happy that you are here because I'm going to learn so much from you about health and all of the juicy topics. If there was a commercial about you, imagine <laughs> we are hearing a commercial about you. And it can be as fun as you want it to be as personal as it wants you to be, what would it say about you? If there were a commercial... Um, or maybe someone is talking about you. Yeah, sure. So, you know those, uh, I don't know, maybe from your time in the United States you remember, but you know those political commercials where they would be, you know, they would show the politician and they'd show all these scenes about like all the stuff he was promising and going to do? So it would be it would be a commercial like that, but it would be honest, and it would instead of a bunch of lies, um, and it would be it would be about basically about getting to the the promise would be, I would help you get to the very deepest darkest roots where all your health issues live. Darkest deepest roots, I like that. Why should we have to go that? deep why is all those darkness just so deep inside well because uh if it were out on the surface and it would get a lot of sunlight it wouldn't be very dark so um no in in seriousness because we tend we as humans have a habit where we tend to hide things inside ourselves sometimes to the point where we even forget where they are and um, we do that to protect ourselves, to avoid pain. But then those things start to play out and they often are the things that create disease inside us. Mm. So we got to journey back to find them again before we can uh, truly heal our bodies. Why did you decide to take this journey about healing? I personally find that even what I teach i just needed to learn it by myself and then because i was able to master a tiny bit of it i can now share about my journey so how was it for you personally why how do you say is it like ayurveda ayurveda yes ayurveda okay i for me it's like a tongue twister ayurveda (laughs) ayurveda no that's good ayurveda okay Perfect. Yeah. Why did you decide to become Ayurvedic dog doctor from all the holistic practices you could have practiced? Why this one? Because I was practicing yoga. So I practiced yoga. Um, I started practicing yoga when I was about 18. And I really loved the practice of yoga. It's, um, I found that the things I read about it, and then when you actually practice, that you experience a lot of what people say you experience. So I felt it was very honest practice. Um, and that you could go very far with it. And of course it completely changed my body and, um, the character of my mind and temperament. And a lot of the things I used to struggle with, I'd no longer struggled with. So I thought it was very powerful. And, um, the sister science of yoga is Ayurveda. It's the medical branch of yoga. 
So it was a natural move for me to start practicing Ayurveda. Why natural? Because I practice yoga as well. I have teached yoga. I'm also a yoga teacher, but I, um, I'm intuitive. I'm intuitive eater. I work out as much as my body needs to. I listen to my body a lot. Whenever I'm aligned with my body, I have my moments when I'm like not listening to it and I'm not my best friend being my own best friend, but it, 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 it does not like come to me naturally. So why do you think you decided to dive deeper into more understanding of health and how it works? Well, I was definitely looking at Ayurveda to be a career. Um, I knew I wanted to do something career-wise that I could watch daily help people. I, I was a, in college, I was a philosophy major, which was great in some ways, but you know, at the end of it, I didn't really feel like I was affecting anything. Um, so I wanted to have that experience. So Ayurveda coupled with yoga gave me the kind of ability to help people with things that people really need help with. I mean, the health situation in the world right now is pretty dismal. Um, it's worse than it's ever been. There are more sick people on the planet now than there ever have been. Um, so we may have longer life expectancies, but people are getting much sicker, much younger with severe diseases. So there was a need there and I have the right temperament and kind of mind for it. So I decided to go for it. When you were like, you, you said that your major was philosophy. I had, I, it wasn't my major, but in the university, I had a class of philosophy and I learned way more from yoga. I not learned, but I understood on a deeper level, like these philosophical topics when, while I was reading the book, why do you think all these holistic practices gives us so much more insight when we are actually doing it rather than you can read the whole philosophical book and don't truly understand ego, but we can do like a year of yoga and go through a roller coaster journey and understand so much more. Yeah, because um, reading a book or like, you know, specifically dense Western philosophy, um, you get an abstract idea for sure and knowledge, but to actually experience that in life from the perspective of your own personhood is a completely different experience. They don't always translate to each other. So yoga is definitely geared towards helping one have the actual experience of what they're seeking. Whereas, you know, Western philosophy is basically a commentary on what might be. So one's about, pretty abstract, yeah. Yes, tell me about the difference between Western medicine or healing healers even and i don't think there are even healers maybe doctors and ayurveda and more like eastern practices what is the biggest difference well the biggest difference is western medicine is very interested in targeting and well yeah of course um, definitely there's, but, you know, I would say that's not even part of Western medicine. That's, that's something that's been leveraged to use Western medicine for making money. That's more of a political power agenda, but Western medicine in like, as a practice of how do we help someone, um, with their illnesses, the, the idea is that it's like, okay, 
I need to identify and target something very specific. And that's Western medicine. So everything's geared towards like categorizing, identifying and targeting um, like the military, right? It's like, I need a target and I need to identify it and everything has to be precision and pinpoint, which sometimes can be extremely effective, but there's a whole other side of healing which is holistic, which is more Eastern based, which is the idea that, you know, basically this whole entity is constantly syncing and harmonizing with itself. And so when you have an issue in one place, sure, you need to understand and, and know what's going on there, but that's reflecting a deeper imbalance in the being as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of the Eastern practice is to explore using the clues that the imbalance that's presenting itself gives you to find the whole entire pathology of that issue. And it may lead you to somewhere that seems quite healthy in that person's life. Um, and it will usually encompass a lot more than just like, oh, there's a liver issue or, or, or oh, there's like a stomach issue or, oh, there's a tumor or something like that, right? So it, it goes well deep into the lifestyle of a person, the diet of a person, um, the thoughts that that person's having, the types of relationships they're engaging in. It's much more holistic, much, much, much more holistic. Tell me about the importance of a thought and the impact a thought has on person's health. Oh, sure. So it, it's more impactful than pretty much anything else. Um, Let's take, for example, let's take a 10-year-old child, right? 10-year-old child comes home from school and wants to show her father some piece of artwork she created, right? And so she runs over and says, daddy, daddy, look at what I drew. And her dad is busy doing work and says, I, I can't, you know, go show your mom, right? So the dad doesn't even notice because the dad is just doing work. And let's say mom is kind of not feeling too right because the dad's doing work and, you know, the household doesn't feel warm and nice. It feels cold and kind of detached and isolated. So the daughter runs up and says, mommy, mommy, look at the picture I drew. And the mom says, that's nice, dear, and pats her on the head. Okay. So now that child has a thought. I don't think my parents care about me. And to a child... That's everything. That's all of it, right? To a 10-year-old child, that's the whole world. So that thought now sends signals through the nervous system. That child's complete physiology changes completely. They go to a happy, excited state, to a kind of down, depressed, and scared, frankly, scared state. And the child goes into their room and kind of is depressed and, you know, feels sad and doesn't really know what to do with it. And so before the child knows it, you know, they're kind of playing with their toys and they're starting to act it out with their toys. And now they're acting out some aggression or anger or sadness. And then the mom sees that and says, what's wrong, darling? And the child says nothing, you know, and then the mom goes back and says, okay. And then the dad comes out and, you know, the mom says something's wrong with uh, Jenny. Right. And the dad says, well, Da, 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 da. And, you know, then they get in a fight and then the child hears the fight, right? And on and on and on and on. And so two years later, the child has an eating disorder. Mm. That's how the story goes. 
you know, unless things change, of course, right? I'm not saying one event creates an eating disorder. I'm saying that's the temperament of the household. And unless that changes, all the thoughts in the child's head start creating behaviors that then dictate actions that dramatically influence our health. I mean, massively. So it all starts way back there. Yes, it does. I have a toddler. He's four. And obviously, I cannot shield him from having any traumas. Right. But I am so much a better of mother right now when he's four, when he was two, because I'm stretching myself. I'm learning. I'm trying and trying and trying. And one day I'm waking up and I can. And I was feeling so grateful the other day because if something comes up in his future, at least I'm, I'm aware of my wrongdoings. And I can then guide him. And I was thinking, if parents are not being present and they are not aware of the trauma they're imposing on their child, how can they, how can these children just leave that space of unhealthiness and eating disorder, disorder as you, as you said, and some people don't feel they are lovable and their body just shut down. Some people want to kill themselves. Their body literally starts to have cancer or diseases so thought is so so important how is ayurveda helping you specifically in a daily life it can be your physical mental or spiritual wellness well for me it's it's all of the above i mean i took it on pretty seriously as a practice and a lifestyle um, which is what it is ayurveda is a lifestyle that you decide to take on so my whole day is kind of guided by Ayurvedic principles. I mean, I wake up, do a yoga practice and meditate and do pranayama. And then I eat at the right times. I sleep at the right times. I eat the right foods for my constitution. I, you know, do all that stuff because I really took it on. Obviously, I'm more extreme than maybe someone else who might pick up Ayurveda because this is my profession. So I have to take it very seriously. But um yeah, I mean, it's everywhere in my life. Um, and it's it's available as much as someone wants to take it on. But, you know, I sometimes people get mixed up with the word Ayurveda. When you look at the suggestions that it prescribes, they're very common sense. I mean, sure, of course, there are some of them they are like, wait, really? Seriously? That's how that works? It's like, yeah. But a lot of them are like, yeah, of course, that's going to be healthy. I already knew that, you know, so I don't want people to look at it as this very foreign thing. It, it's not, it's a what lot of it. Foreign is, thing? Do you mean foreign, like, it's it just like people. very intuitive to us if we just look at it? Yeah, exactly. Or a lot of people say in the United States, at least look at Ayurveda as Indian medicine which I know it's from India or for, it's actually from the region that is now called India. It's not even from India. It's from just that region long, long, long ago. But when people think of that, they often think, not always, but they often think, oh, that's something out there. That's something that, you know, is like if I adopt it and I go tell my, you know, grandpa, he'll think it's weird, you know, or whatever. And I encourage people not to take that attitude. It's like, if I were to sit down and tell you, you should eat breakfast at eight, lunch at 12 and dinner by six, you'd say, oh yeah, okay, that's a pretty good spread of, you know, eating and stuff like that. It's like, okay, well, that's Ayurveda. That's what Ayurveda suggests, you know, for the most part. So yeah, it doesn't have to be this strange thing. 
tell me about it more about the eating um maybe in maybe not in 9 12 or 6 but even if it's like that why is it healthy for us uh, how often should we eat? and obviously it might be unique to a unique individual but how often should we eat how often is it good for our body and what kind of food should we just feed to ourselves well, you know, it is specific to everyone, depending on what they're going through, but there are a few general mm -hmm. things that pretty much everyone needs to follow. Um, the first is that we all eat too much or, you know, those living in uh, the United States, I'm speaking to people in the United States, I know that you're not in the United States right now, but um, in general, a lot, of, a lot of Europe, the United States, Canada, Australia, um, yeah, that covers a large part of it, eats too much. So um, actually Ayurveda suggests that someone who's relatively imbalanced should only eat two meals a day, one large meal at lunch, and then either breakfast or dinner. And then if there's going to be a meal that you skip, it's usually breakfast because you're not hungry in the morning. But if you're not hungry for dinner, you don't have to eat dinner. But basically it's two meals a day. Get your body accustomed to that. And then um, the timing wise, lunch should be around noon. That's when your metabolism is the strongest during the day. Um, and then dinner should be light and before six o'clock because you need plenty of time to digest that food before you go to sleep. Because if you have too much food in your system while you go to sleep, it completely disrupts the sleep process and it completely disrupts, which means it completely disrupts the healing process because most of our rejuvenation and recovery, we do while we sleep. You could even say that's why we sleep, is to heal. Yeah. Do you work with both women and men? Yeah, absolutely. How do you work when, because for us women, it's different. Our cycle is different. We eat more um, on the second half after ovulation, for example. And our body is changing all the time. We have different hormonal situation going on almost every single day. So how does Ayurveda look at women specifically and their cycle and their uh, because it is different men and women have different cycles basically and their hormonal situation is different so how does ayurveda look at that so um men and women definitely have different situations biologically going on um you might be surprised at how hormonal men are um just different hormones so i know we don't have a menstrual cycle but there is a male menopause if you want to say it that way because mm -hmm. men go through these yeah tr tremendous hormonal changes throughout their life um so i do like to kind of discourage the idea that men are this stable hormonal entity and women are all over the place that's just not true um both men and women have fluctuation in hormones all the time um so but they have different needs. So, you know, that, that is very largely dependent on the woman or the man and what they got going on in their life and how old they are, what phase of life they're in, um, where they're coming from health-wise, all that stuff. So, you know, but during a woman's cycle, uh, menstrual cycle specifically, yeah, there are some modifications she can make, um, she, depending on like, you know, as she approaches her, her period, she may want to lighten up her diet a little bit. Um, but enough. again, 
Yeah, it depends. Some women need to lighten up their diet a little bit. Some women actually need to eat more. So, and what do you mean by lighten up? Like eating more or eating better quality food? Well, always eat the best quality food. I mean, that's hands down. Obviously, like, but eat, it means like if, if you might eat a burger right, while you're ovulating and you might still feel great, maybe when you're on your period, you can eat a bit just bowl of salad because it's so much better for your health and you can digest it so much better because you are not as happy as you are before. <laughs> so that's what I meant. Um, yeah, so I would say the... The difference between a burger and a salad is pretty extreme. Um, if people are going through those kinds of swings, then we need to do more work that has nothing to do with really the menstrual cycle. It's kind of like, you know, really no one should be eating a burger. I mean, if you unless want to, if, unless you know, it's, <laughs> unless my my grandma made it. Food is so much healthier. <laughs> no, really, food is so much healthier in Georgia. Even everything. When I came back, I was like, oh my God, I miss the real taste of the food because everything you eat is so much fresher, the meat, the fish, the fruit, majority of the food is organic. And people from the villages, they, they just grow on their farms and because it's not a big country. So we have an amazing food and like burgers in US really feel heavy where you can eat a burger here and you just feel like you ate an amazing meal. And obviously when you when it's made, uh, you can still eat a very unhealthy burger here, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But that uh, is also an issue when different countries have different options for food and different chemicals inside. Right, so yeah, there's different variations, but even just red meat itself, um, you know, for the most part, unless it's necessary, for someone's health purposes, which are a very small amount of people, everybody's gonna discourage the consumption of red meat. I mean, well- Like not eat it at all? Yeah, at all. Especially yeah. because the where it comes from is that you would not eat any beef whatsoever. That is kind of a, an Indian tradition, so to speak. But even besides the tradition, all red meat, pork, cow, or the other ones, lamb would be out the door for most fish. people most of the time fish nope not regularly mm. yes so I think yeah if someone's body is how does ayurveda look at like intuitive eating I, when i was living in the u.s i physically wasn't able to eat meat or uh -huh. egg or almost fish my body was just like rejecting it i couldn't i couldn't even think about eating the meat but when i came back here I just enjoy meat. I don't eat it every single day, but when I eat it and when my body wants it, I enjoy it. So what? how does Ayurveda look at intuitive eating? Well, there are a lot of, I think, a few definitions of intuitive eating. What Ayurveda would say is, on the whole, just to be blunt, no. Because humans are very poor judge of what's actually healthy for them based on taste alone and based on how we feel. Because I've, I talk to a lot of people who say, oh, I just feel good when I eat a lot of protein, for example, right? And but what do they mean it, by feeling good? They feel good, they, they look okay. 
they feel like they have enough energy, they feel happy, they feel like the food tastes good, which is very important. I'm not denying that, right? Yes, food but like for me, it's like good. if you're not bloating and all of that, after right, right, no, like sure. that, does that cut? Does uh, doesn't it, I'm, I'm just curious, doesn't that count as well? If you are eating meal and you just feel good in the belly, I would call it like that, and you're not bloated and you don't have all of that afterwards, then and how, what is the word, whatever. Is, does, does it still count that we might not be understanding and it might still affecting our body? That's what I want to know. Negatively yeah, affecting. Correct. You might have no symptoms of indigestion at all, none. Hmm. And it's still harming your body. It's just harming it, obviously not extremely, but mildly. Absolutely, it happens all the time. Really, in what ways? Well, you could have no symptoms of indigestion Mm -hmm. But let's say that you have a skin rash. Mm -hmm. Most people, most people on the planet would never connect that to the, to their digestion. They just would say, oh, it's something I, you know, whatever. It's from my laundry detergent. It's from, you know, the dog I just pet. It's from whatever, right? But actually it's coming from their digestion, but their digestive tract is not presenting symptoms. Their skin is. So I would say, well, what do you eat? And they say, oh, no, I feel good when I eat. I have no problems, all that stuff. I have a bowel movement every day. Everything's fine. I don't have hyperacidity, da, 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 but they got this big rash on their skin and it's coming from the food they eat. Mm. So connected. All of it. So that's why I would say no intuitive eating. Ayurveda would not suggest that because we, it's hard. If someone's actually in touch with their intuition, then sure. But a lot of times people just think they're in touch with their intuition and they're really not. It's just their mind. So that's the hard part. Yeah. But the, do people usually come to you to prevent something or just get a healthier lifestyle or they already have big health challenges when they come to you? I wish they would come preventatively, <laughs> uh, but most of the time people already have health challenges when they come to me. And where will at what place where do you start? Do you ask them questions? Do you just try to understand them first? Where do you start? Just yeah. communication, I, conversation. Yeah, most of the time they sit down and I just say, okay, so how you doing? Tell me what's going on. What's your biggest concern? You know, and that will usually carry the rest of the consultation. They'll start talking about that. And then, you know, because of my training and and my experience, I'll start picking up patterns and I know what means what. And you know, then I'll read their pulses. I'll look at their tongue. I'll look into their eyes, look in their nose, ears, all that stuff. Um, if necessary, palpate the abdomen, all that kind of diagnostic yes. stuff. Yeah. How does Ayurveda look at sleeping? Sleep is super important. As I mentioned earlier, it's when our body does most of its healing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, imperative that we get enough and we get high quality sleep. And there are a lot of ways to affect sleep. One of the major things is digestion. So someone having sleep issues almost always has digestive issues, even if they don't feel it in their gut. Mm -hmm. uh, and how does sleep issues look like? Falling asleep, not feeling rested enough? Not feeling rested enough, difficulty falling asleep, waking up in the middle of the night um, multiple times, unable to go back to sleep, um, 
sluggish waking up, oversleeping, undersleeping. There are tons of them, you know, mm-hmm. nightmares, um, nightmares all well. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Can, can yeah. come from digestive problems? Oh, absolutely. Really? Definitely. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So, and stress, obviously. Nightmares come from stress. Too. Yeah. So, all those things. And it's very important that we maintain healthy sleep because usually what happens with someone is something will happen digestively or sleep-wise, and then they'll affect each other. Mm. And both will then deteriorate. And then after that, some disease will develop over time. That's usually how it goes. Mm. Because the two things that are bolstering your body's strength day after day are starting to weaken. So that leaves room for issues to start. That is so true. I remember uh, for a period of time, I was living with a very challenging person, for me challenging. And I had a lot of negative thoughts during that time. And I had started to develop, like, when, do you know when you get the feeling of like, you are getting a really, coming down with a really bad cold? My chest started to hurt and my throat. And I was like, okay, all my thoughts are manifesting. All my angry thoughts are manifesting. Because if I had no idea how thought affects our health, and how everything affects our health, I would have thought just, I'm getting cold. But I knew that my thoughts were just like, I was not speaking my truth, my words, not actual words, but my thoughts inside were not that kind. So I had throat pain and my like lungs hurt because I wasn't breathing enough. And I was just like breathing in and out this anger. And it's just so important people to understand how interconnected everything is. And now I understand you telling me that gut issues can like, disrupt sleep and like vice versa disrupt if we if we don't have a good habits of sleeping going bed going to bed every single day at the same time slot it just can affect our health and oh my god somebody other day told me that like your oral health can affect your gut health and i was oh, like absolutely. yeah our whole system is completely wired to each other an issue at the top of your head can affect your toes so there's no limit, yeah, to to anything anywhere can it's all affecting each other, which when you think about it just makes complete sense. It's not like you know, I have some body part that's floating out there <laughs> 500 feet away, and oh no, they have nothing to do with each other. They're all right here, and they're all connected by one nervous system. So and the nervous system connects everything. How the do whole you thing. heal people if everything is so interconnected? How do you understand which area needs healing first? Well, it, it, the body has a way of communicating what's wrong. And it does that with symptoms and pain and suffering and things like that. And so you can start there. And then you the idea is that with you know Ayurvedic training, you learn how to trace it back to the source, which is challenging a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But there are tomes and tomes of books of Ayurvedic wisdom that say, well, look, when this is happening, then look for this. And, you know, just like Western medicine or something else. Um, So that's been the knowledge and the gift of generations and generations passing down this knowledge Mm. to say, hey, you know, we've pretty much seen every disease in the book and here's how to deal with it. 
how are you right now bringing value and if people want to connect to you where can they obviously i will link everything down in the description box but if people want to know more about ayurveda because they, this topic is so huge we cannot cover in, no, it's if huge. we keep yeah. talking a whole night and i have so i'm have so much more questions but if people want to find you how are you bringing value to them what are you offering right now maybe any anything that they will have find helpful yeah sure i i like to offer for anyone who does um who listens to this podcast and wants to connect with me i'm very easy to connect to i'll get on zoom with you for about 15 minutes and i'll tell you what your ayurvedic constitution is um Nope, completely free. So that's just something gift. I like. To I like to use the word gift because it is yeah. a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Absolutely. Um, and so you can, my website's www.iiayurveda.com. That's short for International Institute of Ayurveda. And uh, we also have an Ayurvedic school for people who are looking to become an Ayurvedic practitioner. Um, and, you know, of course, we have the clinic which is there to serve people's health. And where is the clinic? The clinic's in Northern California, but these days with the COVID reality, um, I do online appointments all the time. Okay. okay. So it's a global, global clinic. Perfect. This is the question I ask to everyone. Oh, I, I, I want to know so much more about Ayurveda. You are like living Ayurveda book or encyclopedia. This is the question <laughs> I ask to everyone. Leave me and listeners, it can be one sentence, it can be two, it can be just one word, just whatever just comes on top of your heart. Well, love, I mean, is the first word that came up because what's more important, but I'd say love, you know, love, make it real, not just the feeling or idea of love, but the actual act of love. And, you know, try and see what we all, what someone next to you or even yourself needs truly deeply and give it to them. I like that too. If we become attuned to them, we just automatically become attuned to ourselves. It can work vice versa as well. Just attune to someone else and it will inspire you to attend to yourself thank you so much victor for thank being you. my guest for giving me all the insight about ayurveda um and just sharing your knowledge and insight and your energy and your presence i really appreciate it appreciate it thank you for having me and thank you listeners for listening <laughs> oh bless you <laughs> i love it i love it in georgia i don't know if it's in the u.s but if someone says something and another person sneezes it's like okay this is approval of what i just ah, said good. it's a good <laughs> omen so thank you listeners for listening and until next time go find him um accept his gift and just learn more about him because he has a lot more to offer than we could have covered in this conversation have an amazing day or night wherever you are